Hi there, Steve Kaufman here today, and today I want to talk about what is the hardest language to learn. Now, if you enjoy my videos, please subscribe. You can click on the bell in order to get notifications. Uh, what's the hardest language to learn? First of all, before I start, you may notice there's some gaps in my library. I've been going through culling some of the books that I no longer want to keep around. So I've donated three boxes of books to a local thrift store. Anyway, that's why it looks a bit messy back there. Uh, the hardest language to learn, you know, I think that's a very difficult question because there are so many factors that enter into that. Um, you know, what do you want to do with the language? Uh, do you want to pass a test? Uh, do you want to just enjoy the language? Do you want to enjoy movies, books in the language? Do you want to just be able to communicate in the language? And different languages are, you know, they have different degrees of difficulty depending on what you want to achieve. But I would say that the biggest factor in determining how difficult a language is for you is how motivated you are to learn that language. If you find your motivation flagging, if you find that you don't like the language, that's going to make that language very difficult to learn. If, on the other hand, you love the language, you want to, lang to learn the language, you either you have a friend or a loved one or a relative or you enjoy aspects of the culture and you're very motivated, that language will be easier to learn because any objective difficulties only make the language more interesting. So you'll be, you know, pushing yourself to overcome these difficulties. So the number one consideration in my mind is, you know, your relationship to the language. The second thing is, how easy is it to find content of interest? Content that's comprehensible, maybe, but potentially, even if it's not yet comprehensible, if it's attractive to you. And this is very subjective. So here again, some people are attracted by, say, anime for Japanese, which doesn't appeal to me at all. Uh, it can be anything. I happen to be attracted to history. So, uh, and, and right now I'm very interested in the sort of Central Asia, uh, Iran, you know, Turkish, uh, Arabic even. Uh, just finished reading a book about... Uh, Genghis Khan uh, and the Mongols and the amazing impact that they had on history, both in a negative and a positive way. And so those kinds of things that, that um, you know, make it, uh, you know, in, in terms of something you can sink your teeth into, literature, history, music, whatever, that's got to be there. Uh, where you can't find that, then it's more difficult. And, and this can depend, this can vary from, you know, time to time. You may be trying to learn a language and not finding anything of interest and then later on because you meet a friend or because you discover a movie or something all of a sudden that interest then you know you're you're fired up again to learn the language and that's why it's so useful now that in addition to whatever you know beginner content you use you know Asimil or teach yourself or many stories at link uh, that, that then you move on to things that you can find on the internet and which you can bring in to link, for example, whether it be off, uh, you know, from YouTube or, 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 uh, eBooks, which I have often used or, uh, you know, Netflix, uh, you have to, you know, make it, you know, make yourself, 
put yourself in a position where you can access things that might really, you know, turn your crank. And there's this expression in French, l'appétit vient en mangeant. Give yourself a chance to get carried away by the language. Don't go in with too many prejudices uh, saying this language is no good. I don't like the sound of the language. I find it boring. Get in there, start to discover things, and pretty soon you may find that, uh, you know, you will get attracted uh, by it. You know, I'm, I'm now going after Persian and Arabic and Turkish, which I wasn't particularly interested in before, and I'm very interested in. So that element of motivation is very important. Of course, you know, if we look at objective considerations, um, the more the language is similar to a language you know, the easier it's going to be. The more the vocabulary is similar, particularly the vocabulary, so that you don't have to struggle to remember words. And I always say that the number of words you know, uh, your the size of your vocabulary will determine your ability to understand. If you can understand well, you'll eventually learn to speak well, uh, or at least to communicate. So uh, how similar the language is to a language you already know is a big factor. This can have pluses and minuses. Now I'm finding, for example, in Portuguese that I know Spanish, therefore Portuguese uh, from one perspective is easier because the vocabulary is like more than 90% the same and the grammatical structure is more than 90% the same. But because they're so similar, it's difficult to totally throw myself into sort of a Portuguese environment. The Spanish control center in my brain is kind of holding on and preventing me from, you know, totally starting afresh in this other language. On the other hand, if I go into Arabic or Persian, there is no other language that is influencing my Persian or Arabic. So to some degree, that is a, a difficulty with languages that are very similar. But that's a minor consideration. Overwhelmingly, the more similar the languages are, the easier it's going to be to learn them. Another consideration, of course, is writing system. Uh, I've grown up reading using the Latin alphabet. So even though I can read the Cyrillic alphabet, I can read Chinese characters, Hangul, Kana, even Greek, Arabic with some difficulty. You know, it's so difficult, I find, to get used to comfortably reading in another script. It's one thing to decipher it, figure out this is these are the symbols, this is what they, you know, the sounds that they represent. But to actually get to where you can just comfortably read in another script, I find that's a big step. Like for me, Polish and Czech are much easier than Russian and Ukrainian because it's so much easier for me. There's no resistance when I read in the Latin alphabet, whereas reading in Cyrillic, even though I have read so much in Cyrillic, it's just that little bit more difficult. So it's always a challenge, and when I learn another la a language with another script, I put a lot of effort into just, just making sure I spend enough time reading in that script, because that's going to improve my comprehension. And that's why I, for the time being, have put Turkish on the back burner, and I'm focusing on Persian and Arabic in order to get my brain more and more used to reading in this other script. And I know from experience that everything in language learning, including reading, in another script is just a question of time and enough exposure so that your brain will gradually develop new habits. But the emphasis is on gradually and slowly. There's no instant eureka. So a different writing system, obviously 
is a, a, an element of difficulty. In particular, a writing system like Chinese characters, where it's not phonetic, it's not a matter of learning a finite number of symbols, 20, 30, 40, 50 symbols, you have to learn thousands of pictograms. So that makes Chinese more difficult. I've said before that there is a compensation because so many of what we would term words in English are combinations of these pictograms. So once you have them, you can then easily, more easily remember new words that are combinations of these characters that you have already learned. But still, it does make it more difficult. Pronunciation can be an issue, uh, but to me that's also a question of time. And, uh, you know, the solution to many of these difficulties is simply exposing yourself to the language, listening enough, getting the intonation of the language, speaking without feeling self-conscious about it. Uh, and of course, grammar. I find that, uh, you know, objectively speaking, uh, Chinese and even Japanese and Korean grammar are less complicated. There are fewer little bits of you know, detail that you can easily get wrong than, say, in Russian, Slavic languages, German, and so forth. So the more detail there are in the language, the more things that change, like case endings change or conjugations, the verb endings change, the more of these things that are not so much a question of logic of the language, but, I mean, there is that logic, but a logic that is hidden behind a bunch of rules and tables. The more of these things you have in a language, the more difficult it is, especially to speak correctly. Now, if your objective is to understand the language, to be able to communicate, connect with people, as is the case with me in most of my languages, I'm not tremendously concerned about how accurately I speak. Of course I want to speak more accurately, but but I, I can't speak accurately in, in all of these languages that I'm learning. Uh, I want to speak more accurately. If I make a video in Arabic and I, you know, I, I say uh, that I, you know, yatakalam instead of atakalam, like you've got to change the beginning, the suffix, depending on the person and stuff like that. And I get it wrong some of the time, right, some of the time. And I hear that and I notice it and, and slowly, hopefully, I improve. But it doesn't uh, in any way detract from my enjoyment of the language. On the other hand, if your goal, if you're working uh, in Arabic or you know, Russian or whatever, and you're uh, putting out business correspondence or you're at formal meetings and there's obviously a, or you're going to write a test, then there is a greater need to be accurate. So difficulty in terms of understanding it is one thing. Difficulty in terms of being able to read it and listen to it and enjoy movies is one thing. Difficulty in terms of being accurate and creating a very positive impression because you are essentially making very few mistakes, that's another level of difficulty. I think, uh, honestly, uh, you know, in French, some people find French difficult to understand because of the, the way the words flow into each other with the sort of liaison. Uh, but another big obstacle in French is the gender. Gender is, m the, is more obvious in Spanish. Uh, you know, most words that end in O are masculine and most are words that end in A are feminine. Spanish, very straightforward, Italian. French, not so. And when I listen to our Canadian politicians, uh, English-speaking politicians who speak French, and some of them speak quite well, and yet the gender is the thing that trips them up because it's not something that we have in English. It's very difficult to develop new habits.
new grammatical habits. It doesn't prevent them from communicating. And similarly with people learning English, uh, I often mention that we have a colleague, Russian, who uh, speaks absolutely perfect English. There isn't anything he can't express or explain in, in English. And yet to him, the articles remain a problem because obviously it's not something that is part of the sort of language habits of Russian speakers, or for that matter, of speakers of many other languages that don't have articles. Uh, there are languages with no articles, languages with no gender, languages with no, uh, with, uh, no singular plural. Um, yeah, uh, languages uh, have uh, different, uh, different ways of expressing essentially the same thoughts, and uh, we have to get used to them. And uh, some of them are a little harder to, you know, develop these new habits uh, than uh, in others. So there you have it. So I don't want to say that any particular language is harder to learn, but I rather wanted to set out what I think are some of the factors that determine how difficult a language may be for you.